My guest today is news editor Chelsea Stark. My name is Charlie Hall, in for Justin McElroy. You're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Chelsea, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing really well, Charlie. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. I invited you on to the show today to talk about your review of ukulele. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Well, this <laughs> a little background. Uh, you're, you're a little newer to the team. You came to Polygon uh, at the end of last year. This is certainly not your first game review, but it's your first game review for Polygon, is it not? Yeah, it's my first game review for Polygon, which comes with a lot of pressure because I actually have never written scored reviews before. Really? Uh, yeah, really. I wrote reviews at Mashable, and we didn't score our reviews. We would just list, you know, the good and the bad at the end of the article. So it was kind of, uh, you know, a way to diffuse some of the anger that people associate with numbers. Interesting. Now, I personally am a fan of unscored reviews. What's your preference? Do you like Do you like the number? Do you not like the number? No, I I think that people have hangups about the number, and I think unscored reviews are the way to go. I think then then people actually have to read your words instead of scrolling down to the number. Not that I've 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 done that before in my life. I'll admit it, <laughs> but it doesn't make it great. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to a little bit more to that final score because there's definitely some conversation to be had around it. But first, what is ukulele? So ukulele is a revival of a beloved series, like series of games. It's a spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie, which was kind of a a 3D platformer that really took shape on the Nintendo 64. So ukulele represents the specific rare made games like Banjo-Kazooie, but also kind of that 3D platformer era that we had on the Nintendo 64 specifically. You know, we had Super Mario 64 started it, and then we had Banjo-Kazooie. We had, like, even worse entries to things like Gex, Enter the Gecko. It was just like this time. Oh, Donkey Kong 64 was another 3D platformer when Donkey Kong moved around into the third dimension. Well, it also began life as a Kickstarter campaign, and it was um, it was among the first run out of the UK. It, it, it earned more than two million pounds back in June of 2015. So it's been it's been much anticipated. More than seventy three thousand people backed it. It was a big deal. It broke a record for Kickstarter backers. I mean, it was the fastest to hit its goal, and then was actually beat about a month later by uh, Bloodstained. Ah, uh, yes. So, I mean, this game, people have a lot of feelings about Banjo-Kazooie, and they really wanted to see that kind of same, like, two characters taking on this big platforming world and fighting bosses and collecting things. They wanted to see that again. Well, so what was your experience with the game? So my experience was, you know, you you load up ukulele, and it's, I will say that this game is really beautiful. It is, like, a nicely animated it ran super well on my pc um like the character design is really nice especially of yuka who is a chameleon i got donked by one person for calling him an iguana in uh, (laughs) the review i guess he's a chameleon he and yuka is the like the pilotable character 
And then he has a bat named Lely who rides around on top of his head and allows him to do certain special attacks like flying across a, a, a ravine or like having a, a sonar blast that blasts away enemies. Well, that's kind of cool. Now, your review talked a lot about the exploration mechanic and all the collectible items that you had to find. And, and that's the main drive of the game, to find these pages of this book that they come across. But there's a lot more collectible things to, to boot, right? Yeah, so the the main drive of the game, not, they're not just pages, they're pages. They, they really <laughs> lean hard into that twee mechanic of there um but yeah the the main drive of ukulele and and similar it's very much inspired by banjo kazooie in this way because you are always collecting you are collecting quills so you can unlock new moves you are collecting um play coins so you can play classic classically inspired arcade games you are collecting uh just like so many different things you're collecting sometimes the the pages are broken up to smaller pieces and you have to find them. You are like collecting so many things. You get a special token in each world that allows ukulele to transform into like sometimes a snowplow and sometimes a spaceship. And all of that is again in service of collecting pages. So it's just like kind of a nesting egg of collection. And it all really comes back to that you need certain amounts of these book pages to either unlock new worlds and expand those worlds because when you expand them there's more challenges more stuff to do than thus to collect more and then you need a certain amount of them to fight the big bad at the end of the game and and you definitely took some issue with uh, how to unlock that big bad at the end of the game there's a hundred you needed a hundred book pages you wrote there's a hundred and forty five total um, there's 25 book pages in each of the worlds, and then there's 20 tucked among the rambling hub. You wrote that, I ended up doing tasks that felt like busy work after I'd cleared all the enjoyable ones. Uh, I mean, this is the this is the point where the game first started to break me, and I think that was when I, I had visited all the worlds. I hadn't expanded them all, but I had visited all of them. They don't all have a required boss, like a that you have to fight. So there wasn't necessarily a main objective that I had to do, but I had at least been there and I collected some pages from them. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I found the boss door. Maybe I can get done with this game. And I saw the boss door and I went to it and there were like a hundred pages. And I looked at my inventory screen. And I was like, I have 49. <sighs> it was, it was just like, I was like, I could throw my controller and computer out the window and just quit my job and never review games again because this sucks. Like, oh man! Like that's the, the point where you're like, okay, I've played 15 hours of this game and experienced a lot of what it had to offer, and I'm not even nearly done because I then had to go back to every world, and some like I think one of the worlds I collected like 21, but some of them I would just be like, okay, there are slogs. Um, so I think I wrote about this in my review, but one of the activities that just drove me nuts was it was like a a giant golf game where you had a golf ball that was much larger than ukulele and you had to push it down a ramp past bad guys over smaller ramps and then like push it past these doors that only stayed open for about five seconds and you had to like hit a hit a a specific target with your sonar blast to make them stay open and then through a windmill 
down another ramp and into a hole all in three minutes. And I, I just like, I did that so many times. I was like, I don't think I need to try this anymore because I can't do it. It's pain in the butt. I just, uh, like, it, it was one of those moments where I was like, why would you make players feel this unhappy? Why would you Ugh. make them feel like they have to do work? This is this is not fun. I mean, especially when it was kind of in contrast to like just playing a ton of Breath in the Wild, but Breath of the Wild before, and feeling like puzzle design rewarded you and made you feel smart, where this made you feel like puzzle design just only rewarded you for smashing your head against the wall over and over. You were undone by literally a Sisyphean task. That's so it's, terribly it, ironic. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> But does it feel like there there weren't enough quests to really make the game more interesting? Or that the quests that were there were just poorly designed and not respectful of the player? I think that some of them were well designed, but because of this limit of a hun- like needing 100 th- uh, pages to unlock a door, you know, you ended up doing the ones that were fun. Some of them were very fun, like you had to use your chameleon abilities to sneak past some security cameras and, uh, you know, then blow up some rock. Like, it, it was actually, like, using your abilities when they all work well together is fun because it makes you feel accomplished. It makes you feel like you're good at something. But there are a lot of times where you're just like, I don't understand the point of this. The point of this is to run as fast as I can or something like that. It's it's not It's not necessarily a creative test of your brains or a test of your skills. It's just more like... It is work, yeah, and not the fun kind. Well, Polygon does tend to use more of the 1 to 10 score range than some other outlets. Based on the the language in your review and and your experience with it, our editors elected to give the game a 5.5. And some of the reviews for the game were all over the place. Polygon among one of the lower ones. Um, what What has been the reaction to that score? I mean... I will say, again, this was, again, my first score reviewed, so I was terrified. One, because when you're reviewing a game, as I'm sure plenty of people said on this podcast, you feel like you're in a vacuum with your thoughts. You know, you're like, am I the only one who doesn't like this game? And with so much Kickstarter hype, I was certainly concerned. And then it it turned out to be unfounded concerns. A few people were kind of upset at me at the comments, but I think it was generally like, oh, okay. I think that your review was fair. You backed up your points well. Some people were like, well, actually, this makes me want to play it more. And I'm like, well, I would love to see what you think after playing this game. Um, And it's been pleasantly surprising. And that's great. That's really great. But I did. There were a couple other reviewers, and I got on a Twitter thread and commiserated specifically about how frustrating this game was. So I think I was just so glad it wasn't just me. And I felt like we were having some group therapy sessions just about this game. <laughs> On Twitter. <laughs> On Twitter. It was so good, though. It was so cathartic. Well, where where does the game go from here? Do, do, does it need patches? Does it need updates? Does it, does it have a path forward to make it better now that it's out there in the wild? I just think that, I mean, I know that they released a patch to uh, help out camera control. And that was sometimes an issue. There was... There was actually a specific uh, boss fight where you were locked into an isometric camera view because they were, like, trying to be cute and cheeky and retro. But that made it so that, like, you couldn't even see the boss on a certain corner of the screen because your camera Ugh. was locked. And I was like, well, this is this is stupid. Why? 
But uh, so maybe that patch will address that stuff and that could be helpful. I honestly think they could just change the limit of pages to beat the big boss. And that would just solve a huge problem with the game. Because then you're then if people want to go back. But you only needed 70 stars to beat Bowser in Super Mario 64. And that was a reasonable restriction, but you could still go back and get 150 stars. You know, it was uh, 120 stars. Yeah. And it was just this ability to go back and let the collectors collect. And I think that that is like, let those people do that because there are certain people who are completionists and they should be able to play that game and enjoy it. But the, the people who just want to play your game as a fun game, by the way, a game for children, they should be allowed to maybe have less restrictions before they go fight the boss. I want to ask you about that boss uh, and, and get your opinions of that fight. But first, uh, a quick word from a new sponsor here of Quality Control. You know, up until uh, recently, maybe a few years ago, I was more of the electric shaver guy. I know, I know. But, uh, you know, my, my father-in-law got me one of those badger-haired bristled brushes and, you know, that kind of set me on the quest to find the perfect shaving cream for myself. And I actually stumbled upon the art of shaving shaving cream. It's a, it's a nice sandalwood essential oil that I use. It works with, with that badger hair brush or without. You don't even need one. It's, it's really luxurious and thick and creamy and works well for me. Can't recommend it enough. So I'm, I'm actually very pleased to announce that The Art of Shaving will be a sponsor of Quality Control. This week, we have a special promotion. Our listeners are going to receive 15% off their first order and free shipping if they use the promo code QUALITY. To get this offer, go online to The Art of Shaving. Use our special promo code QUALITY when you check out to get 15% off that first order and free shipping. Again, visit theartofshaving.com for that special offer. Or if you want a consultation with a grooming expert, step into one of their retail locations near you. Remember, that's offer code QUALITY at theartofshaving.com. So Chelsea, you got eventually worked through um, the game's complexity and and at times disrespect for the players, you got your 100 pages and you finally opened up that boss door. What about that boss fight? Was it satisfying? Was it worth your time? Did it feel conclusive? Whoa, just a minute, Charlie, because I want to actually bring up this really weird game mechanic that happens before the boss and a couple other times in your game. Oh my gosh. Ukulele has quizzes. What? I'm sorry, what? Banjo-Kazooie had this mechanic as well, which I'd forgotten because I played the game when I was 14, but it has quizzes about the lore, about the names of collectibles. These are multiple choice quizzes, and they are mandatory to pass to new sections of the hub world. I didn't add this in my review because it was just felt like beating a dead horse, but you have to answer 10 multiple choice questions to get to another section of world. And Come the- on. And it's just like, what is the name of the collectible that you pick up in this world? What is the name of the first ghost that you had to defeat? Like, just who is this for? It's not fun. Like, it's it. Like, why would you make your players feel like they're taking a reading comprehension test? I don't understand this. That's bizarre. So yeah, that was like, I was almost to the boss, and then I had to take another quiz. And again, it's just another time where I was like, oh, can this game please end? So the boss fight, I got there, and it was, instead of being a, a mechanical challenge, it, the boss had at least eight different stages where he would 
after you, you know, beat him up, he would do a new thing. Um, so instead of necessarily getting, you know, using creative combat to fight him, you just had to figure out what is the quickest way I can defeat this stage without losing any health because there's no way to regenerate health during this boss fight and there's not like potions or anything in your inventory so that you can give yourself a health boost it's like when it's gone it's gone so it's basically kind of a rote memorization of the boss's attacks and how to dodge them you know so he at one point you have to shoot him from across the room and the shooting mechanic is just awful because when you're locked in to aim you can't strafe you can't move around you just have to aim and shoot and hope that nothing comes at you on your sides because there's other like little sub minions running around so you could just be blindsided and hurt because you can't strafe or look around while you're aiming it's just i like i don't understand why you would have these things that were hallmarks of the old game but were also kind of things that game design has fixed 19 years later That's really frustrating. And, it, you know, it, it, one of their design goals, one of their stated goals in the Kickstarter was to bring back this old style of game. But very clearly, um, you know, you, you need to learn from those old, old mistakes and evolve and make it an evolutionary thing as well. I mean, that's that's what we're, we're supposed to be doing is, is moving the medium forward, right? Exactly. Let's look at um, DuckTales Remastered compared to Shovel Knight. I mean, DuckTales Remastered was reviewed by people who said, why is this game so punishing? You know, you have to go back to the beginning of the level if you screw up. And it, but like Shovel Knight really, you know, managed to capture the ideas of these old games. But if you died, because the the platforming was amazingly challenging in a fun way, if you died, you would go back. But the only thing you really lose is some money, which you had the opportunity to reclaim. And I think Shovel Knight just was like, let's take all the things that people loved, but figure out why they loved them and then improve upon the genre in the game instead of just rehashing old ideas. Well, I hope folks making other types of reboots and remasters, especially the folks over at Double Fine doing Psychonauts 2, another platformer with some hiccups in the late game, are taking note of that. And uh, thanks for your time, Chelsea. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, thank you. I mean, this did feel a little bit like therapy. And I'm I'm sorry that my nemesis now is ukulele. But at the same time, it was an educational experience. And thanks to you at home for listening today. We've got a lot more on Polygon.com for you to read, including a a discussion of the latest Hearthstone expansion. Is Journey to Ungoro expecting players to spend too much to be competitive? We've also got details of Overwatch's Insurrection event, which you can check out on our front page. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Chelsea Stark. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Thank you.